You're listening to a River Life Fellowship message. We hope this message encourages you and enriches your life. For more information about us, visit us at riverlifefellowship.com. Praise God. There is a move of God, by the way. Oh, there's a fire that just burns in my belly, and I can't put it out. I don't want to. Actually, I wanted to burn brighter, but I just here's my testimony this morning. It hasn't always been there um, in the in the intensity that it's burning at the moment. And here's what happened to me. Just I'm going to try to make this brief. Is uh, for in October when the ladies went on the women's retreat, and they were all on the floor for the weekend because the presence of God came, and that's what happens when the presence of God comes sometimes and uh they came home and you know my wife like probably many of yours um was just so just filled with god and just so on fire for god and oh man it was just incredible and part of me was saying oh man this is great thank you lord i just really appreciate this this is awesome oh yeah yeah this is cool and then the other part of me was going what's wrong with you matthew how come you're not feeling this way have you backslidden? Are you, are you spiritual? Uh, how come you're not hoeing? How come you're not woeing? And, you know, all of these things. That was a part of just, you know, what was going on in me. I'm just being real. Everybody, everybody appreciate I appreciate Aaron's reality. You know, that's reality. I didn't really love God. But <laughs> you know, that's just reality. And uh, so the other part of me was also, you know, during church and stuff, um, Sarah would be up here just praying fire down on people, you know, the good, good fire, you know, the fire of God to fill them and consume them and just, just yeah, not the, not the bad fire. but <laughs> You know what I'm saying though, right, Denise? Okay, you got me. Oh, Anyway, uh, she would be praying up here and just ministering powerfully to people. And, uh, you know, what I was doing was I was holding the babies on the back, you know. And uh, there was this little thing, this thing that was a voice inside my head going, What's wrong with you, Matthew? What's wrong with this picture? You're the pastor in the church. You're the man of faith and power. But you're taking care of kids. You know, you should be up there praying for these people and seeing the sick healed and all of these things. I knew it wasn't true. You know, I knew obviously that wasn't God. But there was still something, this pride, honestly, the pride arose up in my heart that was somewhat envious of what my wife had, even though I was, on the other hand, blessed. And uh, so I just say that to say that um, the Lord showed me that if I would humble myself, first of all, there was nothing wrong with me spiritually, you know, prior to that happening or since that happened. So I want to say, and I'm going to tell you the end of this, the rest of the story here in just a second too, but I want to say there this morning, this word is for those of you who have been sitting in this church and feeling like an outsider looking in. In other words, you feel like it's not really happening for you. And maybe that's caused some frustration or some jealousy or some just pain or something, I don't know. But you've had questions about how spiritual am I. And I want to address that this morning, okay? So about a month and a half later, after the beginning of that in October, we're sitting, well, about a month later, we're here on a Wednesday night. And I come up to receive prayer. Because I really want 
you know, this fire. I want the same thing. I want to have this sort of experience. And Becky's up here just praying so hard and just going after it. Gave me these prophetic words. and It was awesome. And I'm standing here going, okay, I'm not really feeling anything. <laughs> I'm not going to make anything happen. Again, this whole struggle's going on in me. And finally the Lord broke through to me. He said, Matthew, all I require is that you receive. Just receive. So I got these words, believe and receive. Believe and receive. So Becky kept praying and there were some others praying and they were praying these incredible prayers. And I just stood here and just said, Lord, I receive it. I receive it, Lord. I just receive all that. Yeah, I receive it all. Nothing happened. I didn't fall down. I didn't roll on the floor. I didn't hoe. You know, I didn't have any of these things happen to me. But I, at that moment, made a choice. You know, through the grace of God speaking to me. Okay, fast forward a few weeks later. We're sitting in this office in here with the pastors and elders having a meeting. All of a sudden, Marlon says, I think we need to pray. And he just, <laughs> full of the Holy Spirit, begins his prayer. And the Lord said to me, Matthew, get on your knees. I said, oh gosh, Lord, on my knees, come on. I mean, these people are going to think I'm all religious and spirit. You know, and I'm sitting here with the pastors and elders and my friends, and I'm still embarrassed, you know what I'm saying, to just do that one simple thing. It's like, all right, Lord, I'll get on my knees. So as soon as I hit the floor, the Lord came upon me in a way that, yeah, I don't think I've ever experienced that. The fire of God began to burn inside of my belly in a greater way. You know what I'm saying? Not that it wasn't there before, but there was a greater flaming. That's the best way I can describe it. Another way to describe it would be these spiritual contractions that began to hit me. If you women can maybe relate with contractions, I can't. But I began to, oh, you know, just wave after wave. That's really not the important thing, though. The, the, what, the physical outworking of it. The important thing was that I began to fall in love more and more with the Redeemer of my soul. I began to love Jesus in a more passionate, a more way that just, oh, it just doesn't matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> you guys, think about when you fell in love with your wife or your girlfriend or your fiancé. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What was the craziest thing you ever did being a love struck? You don't have to answer that question. But think about it. The craziest, most bizarre thing, whether you drove ten hours in one day or, you know, what have you. The point is this. You would have given up absolutely anything to be with her, wouldn't you? Anything. Or how many people have ever witnessed somebody that's a little intoxicated in public. I don't want you to raise your hand if you've been intoxicated in public. Just, you know what I'm saying? In a negative sense, there's no inhibitions. Alcohol lowers your inhibitions. You'll say just about anything. You, you can do crazy stuff, you know? So those two just pictures is an explanation, is, is a picture of the way that I feel for Jesus. You know, since that day in November... And it's been three months and it's not going away. It just keeps coming. It's like wave after wave after wave. But here's what I want you to get this morning. If you're sitting here and saying, but I'm not feeling that, but I really love God, I'm telling you there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. 
We are not focused here. The leadership of this church does not consider the people that come up here and roll on the floor or fall down to be more spiritual. In fact, you know what the most spiritual thing you could ever do is? Love your wife. Love your neighbor. Love your kids. That's the most spiritual thing. And love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus summed it up. Heidi Baker said, We've made Christianity too complicated. You know, we got all these theories and methods and do this and don't do that and pray this way and da-da, put your hands like this. And she's like, you know, forget all that. It's just about loving Jesus and loving others. So that is the only expectation in this church for you today. Our desire is just that you would love Jesus and that you would love other people and that that compassion that Louise talked about would become a part of you. Passion and compassion. That it would flow out of you. It happens to be that for me and for others, a lot of you, um, you know all these things up here and wherever and in our living rooms? It creates more of that. I can't explain that. It creates more of that. But that is not our focus. In fact, when, we go to the, when we're talking to people about it, we should not be focused on this cool thing that happened. We should be focused on the presence of Jesus that is being made real in our midst. That's the Gospel. It's the Gospel of the Kingdom. Jesus said preach it when He started His ministry and it's still true today. That's what the message we've got to get across. And as people come here, they will do all sorts of you know, interesting things. So praise God for that. Oh, go to Matthew 8. You guys okay? Can you give me a few minutes? Okay. Matthew 8. Oh, golly. I've had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Yesterday at the park was just unbelievably good. And uh, Marlon Magusu is just flowing in a prophetic anointing right now. A grace thing, you know? Because one day, Marlon prayed out in church and then we were sitting in a meeting and Byron goes, Marlon, the real you is back. (laughs) And uh, it's been great because the real Marlon has been back ever since, man. And I just appreciate you, man. I just want to say that publicly. He's an awesome brother. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. We got a centurion here. Centurion was an outsider. To the Jews. He is a Roman centurion, a Roman uh, military leader. He had a hundred men over him. That's why they're called centurions. And what did I say? Oh, under him. Yes, thank you. Under him. He was in command of a hundred. There you go. And uh, God, for some reason, <laughs> spoke to these guys. They had a great amount of humility because there's other centurions like Cornelius first Gentile to receive Christ in the book of Acts and the centurion when Jesus was hanging on the cross it said oh what have we done this must be God you know so anyway here in Matthew chapter 5 it says now when Jesus had entered Capernaum a centurion came to him pleading with him saying Lord my servant is lying at home paralyzed dreadfully tormented and Jesus said to him I'll come and heal him The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I'm an outsider, is what he was saying. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, 
having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and I say to this one, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. An outsider, mind you. Jesus said he had greater faith to believe in the unseen than even the Jews. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Outsiders will come into the kingdom. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out in outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. And his servant was healed that same hour. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. You see, believe and receive. Believe and receive. Believing in God is called faith. Opens up something in a spiritual reality that you and I are just beginning, beginning to understand. I truly believe that. You see, because my problem in the, the pride that rose up in my heart stemmed from this. Despite all the preaching on the kingdom, I never, I, I didn't have the revelation on the kingdom. Because it's an understanding of the spiritual realm that allows us to get low. You see, Byron's going to say, well, Matt, you know, get low. Get low and get low and get lower and lower and lower. What does that mean? You know, I mean, physically, I can get on the ground. Intellectually, I can, you know, just say, yes, I understand humility is a great character trait. And I need that. And so I will pray for that. But revelatory revelation is that in order to get low, you have to understand the nature of our existence here. Okay, let me explain this. Lord, help me. For the Jews in Christ's time, Greek culture had so uh, infiltrated their society that the Jews dedicated to Yahweh were so heartbroken over what was going on. I mean, it was just... I'm not going to go into all the details of that. Part of the Greek culture, you may already know this, goes back to the great traditions they had of, of uh, their philosophy and understanding of humanism. Okay, that man is the measure with Plato and Cicero and the like. That man is the measure of things. So, in the New Testament... The Jews of that day had this infiltration of humanistic philosophy that had come in that they had to deal with. Okay, everybody good with that? Now, in our culture today, let me just ask you this question. We're influenced by humanism. How many people were educated in public school system in America? Okay, look around you. That's pretty much almost everybody. How many people were educated in secular universities? You went to university or college. Okay, that's a lot of people as well. How many people were educated in a Christian university or college but had humanist professors? There's several of those hands. That's very common today, by the way, parents. The point is this. Man is the measure. Reality is what you can experience with your five senses. 
This is the philosophy of this era that we live in. Therefore, whether we like it or not, we have all been impacted by that philosophy. It's a false philosophy. There's much more. And excuse me if this is elementary Sunday school preaching, but I think this is really foundational to our understanding of the kingdom. And this is the reason why. God said that He is Spirit. In the beginning, He created what? He created the natural realm. So therefore, the natural, the natural existence, what we can experience here, was created by God who is Spirit and infinite. How did He create us to be? Natural or spiritual? He created us in His image. If God is Spirit, that means that I am first Spirit. I am second Natural. That's why Bion's trying to hammer this point home. Your mind, natural, is a servant. Your spirit is the master, right? Your spirit is the master. The mind is meant to serve the spirit. Now you see that. Okay, that's really, really important because in this culture, we can all be influenced by this thing and it can, allow us, it can uh, not allow us to enter into what I feel like God really has for us. What's really depressing to me is that the disciples, they were so impacted by Greek culture at that time, even them, that they didn't get it oftentimes. You see, here's the background. For 400 years in between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, there was 400 years in between those, that period, those testaments there, they were dominated and persecuted and ridiculed and influenced by the Greeks and the Romans. So this Greco-Roman philosophy of humanism became just a part of their culture. Before that, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, who were tremendously pagan cultures as well, dominated them for, I don't know, 300 years or so. So, you know, roughly, I probably don't have all the math right, but roughly we're looking at six, seven, maybe even 800 years from the time where they existed in a true worship of Yahweh. So when the, Old when the New Testament comes in, when the time of Christ comes, people are so influenced by this thinking that even the disciples oftentimes misunderstand what Jesus is saying. Because at the very beginning, you know what Jesus said? Everybody knows this. He said, repent for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is where? It's right here. He said, it's here. The disciples didn't get that. There it is right here. Here's another paraphrase. He said this. He said, a new reality, a spiritual reality is here. So change your mind and then your actions will follow that and you can step into that new reality. That's basically in, our, in, in philosophical definition of what he's saying here. Okay? And so if we want to step into that reality, we have to understand that. Now, in Luke 19.11, you don't have to turn here. Just let me give you a couple of examples here. Here's where the disciples did. This was right after Zacchaeus, you know, the IRS agent that Jesus went to his house and had dinner with him. In, in those days, the IRS actually got to keep those agents. They got to keep a portion of the tax money they collected. So you think, you know, if you don't like the IRS now, you know, can't just imagine what it was like back then. Anyway, so he goes to Zacchaeus' house, and then everybody's criticizing him. The religious folks are criticizing him for being a friend of these sinners, you know. And Jesus said, hey, listen, I didn't come here to help the people that are good. You know, don't need help. I came here to seek and save the lost. 
And right after this, as they heard these things, they being the disciples and his followers, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought, they thought, right? The minds, natural mind. They thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. You see, the Roman occupation, it's going to end, Jesus. They prophesied. It's been prophesied through the generations. You read the, the, the prophets of the, of the Old Testament. It's got to happen, Jesus. And it's going to happen now. Well, you know Jesus' response. Okay, Father, I'll just keep plugging away with these knuckleheads. Eventually, they're going to get it. Well, guess what? Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. They still don't got it. They're still waiting for a natural kingdom to come. Acts 1.6. This is where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And then He says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom? Oh gosh, get this picture. This is just blow your mind. Here's Jesus, right? He's waiting for the pillar of light. Beam me up, Scotty. You know, he, He's going directly to heaven, right? He's going to ascend into heaven. All the disciples are huddled around. They're like, Oh man, Jesus... Uh, they're, you know, they're just probably flabbergasted of what they've seen and all these things. And he's preached the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. This is what the kingdom is. The kingdom is like this, and it's like that. And how many times do I have to tell you? This is what it is. At the end of it all, they still said, uh, Jesus, is the kingdom coming now? <laughs> and I'm like, Lord God, I don't have a hope. I, how am I going to understand the kingdom if they didn't get it? You see, so we need God to open our eyes. We need God to open our eyes to the kingdom. Because what I'm telling you is this. The kingdom is not something that is seen. Everybody got that? So when things are happening in this room that you see, it is a result of the kingdom. But that does not have to happen in order for the kingdom to come in your life. The spiritual existence, the spiritual activity to happen. Like with Aaron, this ha what happened, to him last, happened last Sunday predominantly, right? He got Holy Spirit drunk. Were you rolling on the floor? Were you hoeing? Not really. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Aaron is, a, is, is kind of a chill guy, you know? And that's not the way the Lord moved on him at that time. Now, you know, you're open to the Lord doing that, right? Yeah, so if God wants to do that, you understand my point. These are natural things. So we don't want to put too much emphasis on that. We want to put it upon Jesus and upon His sacrifice for us. Amen? So if, you, uh, if you're one of the people that sits here and says, I wonder why they don't preach more practical messages in this church. Like, what about how to be a good husband and how to raise your children and how to be a good employee and all that stuff? And I had some questions about that and the Lord said, you know what, Matthew, here's why I haven't had Byron preach those re recently. And that is because when the kingdom, when a spiritual reality invades your life like it has mine, you become a good husband. You become a good employee. Your children are blessed. You know, it's the secret. You see, it's like the hidden treasure. That's what Jesus said the kingdom was like. And when He found it, He sold everything else just to buy this land. Because it contained the treasure. You see, now, it's not to de-emphasize those things because we've got life groups that focus on marriage and we've got marriage counseling available and we want to help people with the practical things, but that's why the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom is being released here on Sunday mornings in our midst. Amen. Let me bring this to a close. You know how that is, Jim.
Oh, my pastor used to say I'm beginning to close. He said there's a difference between beginning to close and closing. You see, quick dream. I'm not a guy who has a lot of dreams or remembers a lot of dreams. But Monday night, my wife and I both had profound dreams. Here was mine. My dad calls me on the telephone in the dream, and it was a Thursday. And Dad says, "Hey, Matthew." Um, I would just want to let you know that Jesus is coming back this weekend. So you need to get prepared. And he's like, so if Sarah Ruth has a hair appointment or anything, you need to tell her, go ahead and get on with it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. I'll tell her. So sure enough, just like old dad said, we're standing in our yard or one of the fields nearby at our farm. On like a on the Saturday after that, and I guess Sarah had gone gone went and got her hair done. It was all good, and uh, she and, and 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 all of a sudden we're standing. There. You know how when the clouds is cloudy, and all of a sudden it, it breaks and the sun just starts coming through and it's spread across the sky. It was like the whole sky was doing that. It was so real in my dream. It was like the the heavens split, and you saw this little bit of light, and then it got bigger and bigger. And we're sitting there in the natural world, okay? And have you ever thought about what this is actually going to be like? Like, for us. I mean, it's so like, whoa, uh, I can't really comprehend that, because nobody's ever experienced that. But we're standing there, and we're like, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. We're, yeah, this is it. Dad was right, you know. And uh, despite what I always said, you know, Dad was right this time. And, 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 and I mean, look. You, and then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, God. No, I'm not ready for this. Lord, I'm not ready. I think I'm too wealthy, Lord. I think I'm too rich to enter the kingdom. And that was the end of the dream. And I woke up and I just so impacted by that message. And I just began to ask God what, what he was trying to tell me. And I was telling my dad this dream yesterday on the phone. And when I was telling it to him, it came to me. The Lord said, it's not about necessarily the second coming. That's not what I'm prophesying. What I'm prophesying is that God is coming to visit us. That Jesus is coming to visit us and now is the time to get ready. Make yourself ready right now. Make yourself ready, guys, because the time's coming. Believe and receive. That's all you got to do. You don't have to do anything else. Nothing else. Just believe and receive. Because there is a time when Jesus was coming to visit us in an even more powerful way. Right now we're preparing the altar for that time when just outright revival breaks loose in our midst. Prepare yourself. I beckon you. Here's what our prayer should be. Matthew 20, 29. Now as they... My ears are too small for this microphone. Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. You can't scream in church. What are you doing? You know, the multitudes are criticizing them. Don't yell at the Son of God in such a manner. Oh, God, have mercy on us. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, Hey, what do you want me to do? So that's what the Lord is saying to you this morning. What do you want me to do? 
because I'm available. So, Tabitha, what do you want God to do? Clyde, what do you want God to do? George, what do you want God to do? Chris, what do you want God to do? Just tell them, just cry out for that, Lord. I want more passion. I want more compassion, Lord. I want that prophetic anointing, God, because that will break the yoke in people's lives. That's what I want, Lord. Believe and receive. They said to Him, Lord, and here's our prayer, okay? Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus, where's Luis at? So Jesus had compassion, Luis. Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And guess what? Immediately their eyes received sight and they followed Him. That's what we need, I'm telling you. That's what I need. I'm asking for more of it. I just got my eyes are just starting to open just, just a little bit. I can just barely see just a little bit of the light of His face. You know, and it's starting to come through. But God, open them more. Have mercy on me, God. Let me live in a spiritual reality. I'm stuck here, Lord. All I can believe is what I can see and wrap my mind around, and that's not good enough. He, in, in Luke, it says the same thing a different way. He said, Lord, I ask that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, for your faith has made you well. You've seen a spiritual reality is what he was telling them. You, you're, you're receiving your sight because you've seen the spiritual reality of receiving your sight. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. So I just want to ask you this morning, if you're one of those people, you know, and I know this is going to take a great deal of courage for some of you, but that's okay. There's a key. <laughs> There's a key. This is our prophetic picture. Here's a key, and it's called believing and receiving. So if you've been in this church, you know, and you're one of those that feels like you're on the outside looking in, just like the centurion, just believe and receive. And I just invite you to come forward this morning and let people pray for you. Okay, and let people pray for you. And no pressure. Isn't that great? Nothing has to happen to you, but it will. If you say, I receive, it happens. Let me tell you, you just say, I receive. And whether physically anything happens or not, spiritually, God is doing a work. Amen?